This episode of Out of the Church Attic is sponsored by Kingdom and Will Apparel. Visit www.kingdomandwill.com and use the code CHURCHADDIC for 15% off your entire order. For His kingdom and by His will. I'm still, I'm still really sad. I'm like, I'm still really sad about about Nick Saban. You're dating this podcast right now. I am. I'm dating this podcast. <laughs> they all, they all know what happened on January 11th. They do. <laughs> Everybody knows. Which I mean, I didn't find Which, out. This is, this is not. This is, it's not, it's a very big day in sports history. It, it is. Because it's Nick Saban. It is. Listen. Bill Belichick we, and Pete Carroll are all gone. <laughs> oh, Bill, he is? Bill Belichick's gone. He, oh, he retired too? No. He just mutually parted ways. <laughs> that's, that's all I said. Pete Carroll, it's all different too. So Saban retires. Yeah. Belichick says, I'm mutually parting ways. He's probably going to get another coaching job. And Pete Carroll says, I'm retiring, but I'm going to stay on as an advisor to the Seahawks. You know what this is? This is this is the Illuminati like trying to tear us down. It's the three headed beast. It's the three headed beast. <laughs> all right. It's it's, it's like the sports Illuminati. Joe Biden is behind the scenes, like pulling the strings uh, like no a master one. puppet. Yeah. Well. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this this is a big day in sports history. This is a really big day in sports. I had um, I had two oatmeal cream pies this morning, which was um is Nick Saban's signature breakfast every day. He drinks black coffee and he and he eats two oatmeal cream listeners, pies. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> To my record of my memory, <laughs> never once have I ever heard Randy say he's an Alabama fan, but all of a sudden Nick Saban retires and he he comes in like wearing the crimson flag. He he comes, he like literally is like roll tiding through my house. And maybe you've mentioned it like once or twice. Maybe. Maybe but like I don't think th- the problem is I didn't have to because Nick Saban was there and we were just Welcome to Out of the Church Attic, a podcast that explores Christian faith and practice in the heart of Appalachia. My name is Colton, and I'm a local church member here in North Carolina. And my name is Randy. I am a, what am I? Itinerant? N- no, I want, I want to do, I want to say I'm a pastoral resident. I'm a pastoral resident here in North Carolina. And we're coming to you from our church's attic to discuss the issues that drive and thrive, thrive in the churches here in Appalachia. Howdy, y'all. Randy. Yes. We are talking about some of the false gospels here in Appalachia. Ooh. Some that's, of the, a, that's a catchy title, yeah, right? It's it's a good it's, thing we didn't think it's of it. It's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, getting there. Uh, that is not ours because that is uh, the article that Randy found from a, a gentleman named Eric. I'm sorry if I say your name wrong. Eric Fannin. Fannin. Yes. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote an article about, I believe he wrote seven, right? Uh, false Gospels in Appalachia. Yeah, so um, our, our guy, Eric, uh, he originally wrote out a... Uh, our guy? Our guy, I mean, yeah. We're best friends. We're, we're, call, we're calling it, man. Like, that's that's just... If you've listened to the podcast, you know, like, I I don't know a stranger. So you you we've had two or three emails exchanged back and forth. We're now best friends. That's right, Facebook um, friends. <laughs> uh, but um, the notes or the article that he, that he posted on his personal blog uh, was something that he wrote out for... Um, a a church conference uh, in June 
of 2019. So a couple years old. Yeah, so a couple years old. still fairly new. Yes, yeah, yeah. So he puts together like seven different essays about common false gospels that we experience that we see here in Appalachia. So yeah, so uh, we, uh, Randy saw this. He thought, hey, that'd be a great start to season two because we're going to be looking at some of the darker parts of Appalachia, Mm -hmm. some of the things that really get into the churches that start to mess them up, some of the heresies that we begin to believe ourselves when we're not careful about what we read in our Bible, if we read our Bible, what we're being taught. And Eric had a great article, and we're going to have that in the show notes. So if you want to check that out, go check out his article. Yes. And we're going to be going through some of those. We're, I think we're tackling six of them. Six or seven. So we might be tackling all of them. Right. But we're our own spin, right? Yeah, exactly. We're not, we're not taking his stuff. We're not just stealing um, all his stuff because we want to give him credit where credit's due. Mm-hmm. So, and, and by the way, he's not like just endorsing everything we say on this podcast, but he <laughs> did give us permission to use his article. So, you know, if we say something you don't like, don't think that. Yeah. We can be friends and, and disagree. We can be friends and disagree. Yeah. Um, but we agree with pretty much everything he said in this article. Yeah, exactly. We loved it. Um, but we're not going to be going over that today. We'll leave that for you guys. But today we're actually going to be tackling one of those topics for, and that is legalism. Legalism. One of the, probably one of the first real theological terms I ever learned was legalism. Really? I think so. And I think it's because I hated it so much, <laughs> but also because as I grew older, I realized it's one of the biggest things I can fall into yeah. as a, as a Christian here in Appalachia, yeah. as a, as a different Christian than some um, of the more traditional right. old fashioned churches here in Appalachia. Yeah. And so I want to dive into that and for sure uh, the way we're doing, the way we're going to do this format for the first half of the season, second half of the season for you guys, we have some other episodes that are going to dive into some other things that we're really excited about, but hey, stay tuned for that. Yes, please. What we're going to be looking at today is what is legalism? Where is the lie? Mm-hmm. When does it start? Why it infects the church? And how do we solve it? The who, what, when, where, why, and all of these things. Well, I don't guess we have a who, but I guess the who is you. Yeah, right. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the, yeah, the who is you. You are the who. Like, how, yeah, like... <laughs> These so, are things that you, you you are believing that you need to stop. <laughs> <laughs> this is a call to repent. <laughs> we are. This is a podcast for Appalachia, so you like get used to hearing the word repent. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> repent. Be saved. But no, I'm 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 really interested and really excited about the, uh, the our first one stepping out being legalism because I feel like it's uh, it's one of the uh, along with some of the other ones that we're gonna, we're going to talk about uh, in short order after legalism, but I feel like legalism is one of the is one of the one of the issues that Christians can fall into without realizing it. Uh, yeah. they can also fall into it um, by trying to get away from it. Uh, I, th- I think I've used an example or this example in a in a earlier episode in season one where we talked about the uh, talk about the horseshoe. Yeah, yeah. Um, how there there are two. Uh, two different uh, points or two different ideas, two different philosophies. Um, and uh, the idea is that you can run away from something so far that you actually come right up next to it, right again, back to it again, right back to it again. And we're, we're going to talk about that uh, here yeah. in just a second, but you can, you can run so far away from legalism only to find out that you ran back into legalism just in a different way. It looks different and yeah. it doesn't feel different, but it's the exact same thing by definition. And that's that's a great segue into the first thing we need to look at, which is what is it anyway? Yeah. Like how can we run so far away from something that we end up right back where we started? So let's define legalism here. And I, I got a couple definitions. Uh, one from Eric Fannin's article. Mm-hmm. Um, again, sir, if I'm saying your name wrong, I am so sorry. But um Please correct me in an email, and I will fix it in future episodes. Uh, well, they'll all be recorded by this point, so I'll fix it 
I'll apologize later. Uh, we'll, just call, we'll just call him Eric Fee. Yeah. Eric. We'll just call him Eric. Eric. We're, we're, we're yeah, on first name we basis. Yeah. It's, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Facebook. His name's not pronounced Iraq. So. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Eric. We got that right. Okay. Uh, so legalism. One definition is a dependence on moral law rather than on personal faith. I like that one. That's yeah. all right. Mm-hmm. I do like Eric's. He said legalism is a requiring of or belief in the requirement of something in addition to faith in Jesus as a means to salvation. Yeah. Uh, so legalism is a requiring of or belief in the requirement of something in addition to faith mm-hmm. in Jesus as a means to salvation. Mm-hmm. And then one from good old Matt Chandler that I always love. Mm. Um, he has this saying that says, you know, I obey, therefore I'm loved, rather than I'm loved, therefore I obey. And yeah. that my friends, is a dangerous trap we fall into a lot with legalism. Yeah. So how do we fall into it? What are the arguments for it? Well, see, here at Out of the Church Attic, we want to be a biblically-based podcast. Yeah. So we want to look at some of the arguments people may use from the Bible. Some mm. people may say, well, we're supposed to be a city on a hill. We're supposed to be a lot that's not hidden. Do right. you see how I'm pulling out that country <clears throat> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, is that is that coming from trauma, like people telling you that? <laughs> no, it's just coming from my own imagination. <laughs> some might say that, well, you know, people believe they can sin however they want without some rules and regulations. Um, and they may point to Paul saying, well, should I continue in sin that grace may abound? Mm. Surely not. That's right. from Romans. And then some may say, well, it's just a meter to tell if someone's actually a Christian. Mm. You'll know them by their fruits. Oh, so all these things sound like good arguments for legalism. They do sound like good arguments for legalism. The problem is, and kind of going back to our definitions, the the main thing and it's so subtle. It's so subtle. We're you know we're talking about we're talking about the lies of these false gospels. Yes. Um, of course, all of that all of that comes from Satan. All of that comes from yeah. the enemy. So, Randy, where is the lie? I think the 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 tiny little subtlety in the things that you've said, in the verses that you've said, is that's very true. We are supposed to be a city on a hill. Yeah. Um, we are supposed to be light in the darkness. We're supposed yep. to be salt, and we're supposed to be light. These are all good verses that, on at face value, they sound true, which they are and true in their context. The subtlety that is in these verses that changes everything is what these verses are used to defend. Mm. All right? So... If someone very rarely goes up to you and says, oh, you shouldn't be, um, you you should be uh, salt of the earth and the light of the world because Jesus calls us to do that because you are, because you're doing something inherently wrong. Like, uh, very rarely do do people use that as actually to correct a Christian. They're actually, like, in sinful behavior. Um, What they actually do is they are using a litmus test of their own holiness, their own perceived holiness, and applying that to the person that they're speaking to. Again, in the legalistic form. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know I don't know about you, but just in my personal experience, whenever someone has shared this verse with me, um, or these verses with me, or um, other verses like, uh, your body's a temple, um, yeah. and, and different things like that, it's always been in, it's always been from the perspective of something about me personally, something about me and my attire, something about me and my interests yeah. doesn't match what they think holiness is. And it's not what they believe holiness is from the Bible's perspective, not yeah. from Jesus's perspective. It's the idea that they are living to their holiness standard. And if other Christians live to their holiness standard, then everything would be fine. Everything would be clear and everything would be sure. good. Sure. And that, that ties into where Paul goes, where we're going to be going today is in Galatians. The book of Galatians, a short 
short book. Yes. Um, you can read it in 30 minutes or less if you're semi-fast reader. If you're not, take the time to read it. Uh, when I was writing the script for this, which kind of I'm basing a lot of these things off of, I, I was just overwhelmed with how much legalism is all over. Like Paul's addressing the issue of legalism in Galatians. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, I, I've read legally. Legalations. I've read <laughs> Galatians many times, and I don't know why this is like the first time my eyes were open to how much the entire book addresses yeah. what that issue is. Yeah, because Paul comes into this book saying, "Like, hey, I don't know what happened to you, but you've been bewitched by a false gospel. Oof. You've been bewitched by something. And I don't know who did it." But I hope they're cursed. If anyone preaches a false gospel to you, whether it be me yeah. or an angel, I don't care who it is, let them be accursed. Yeah. Let them be condemned yeah. for doing that. And so Paul takes the idea of a false gospel really seriously. So for calling legalism a false gospel, we need to address why it is. Yeah. And I think you're doing a great job of that, Randy. Um, and I even come up with this. I didn't come up with it. Thinking about it, you know, there's this equation we got to look at for how do we get salvation, right? Mm-hmm. Well, According to Scripture, according to the Bible, we must believe in Jesus Christ, You know that he is the Lord and Savior, that, that he um, died for our sins and God raised him from the dead. Confess with our mouth, believe, confess with our mouth, mm-hmm. believe with our heart. Right. So basically, in essence, Jesus plus nothing equals salvation, right? right? Our belief in that alone, yeah. that's what we have to believe. But legalism comes alongside, like you said, and uh, kind of plugs in something. It plugs in Jesus plus our standard of holiness equals salvation mm-hmm. or equals a good Christian equals what we want to see in other people. Yeah. It doesn't actually go back to scripture. It goes back to what actually makes us feel good. And so that's mm-hmm. what we want to talk about a little bit more today because Paul addresses this. You know, he talks about it because the Jews in Galatians, he's talking to some of these people who think who've been taught by the Judai, Judai, oh my gosh, Judaizers yeah. that, Hey, um, if you really want to be a Christian, you got to be physically circumcised. Mm-hmm. You, you can't, you know, go uncircumcised like that because then you're not abiding by what God actually wants. And what God actually wants is you to be physically circumcised. So you have to do that to be a Christian. And Paul addresses this as a Jew, as one who is circumcised yeah. and says, that's just a lie. Yeah. That he, he would say this, that in Galatians 2.16 no, a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we, that we may be justified by faith in Christ, not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Mm. And so he's addressing that right there. And just like you did, Randy, he's addressing the fact that these Judaizers have said, well, this is what we think you need to be to be a Christian. Yeah. So that's what we're going to put on other people. And Paul's putting a stop to that right away exactly and you know and thinking about it in our in our in our context our modern context i don't know if there there would be anybody that would say i'm that they're adding things to a standard of righteousness right um you know they a lot of the things a lot of the things that we are going to be talking about in this series of of the false gospels of appalachia very rarely do, does someone profess them outright. Uh, more often than not, it's a it's a subtle it's a it's yeah. a subtle uh, profession to where if you ask them questions about about salvation, like how do you how do you become saved? Yeah. Um, how do you how do you trust Christ? They'll give you biblical answers, but it's in 
their behavior after the fact to where they add these things, um, not just with legalism, but the other false gospels, they add these ideas and these false assumptions until the gospel that they're proclaiming is now completely corrupted. Yeah. And thinking about legalism, um, it's it's the same kind of attitude as, as the Judaizers, uh, which, I mean, they are kind of outright saying, or no, they're not really outright saying this, what I'm about to say. The ugliness that is legalism is looking at someone, looking at an image bearer of Christ, uh, of of a a someone who was made in the handiwork of God, someone that Jesus Christ died for and wants to save from their sin. It's looking at them and saying, "Jesus is not the standard of holiness. Mm. I am," mm. and that's scary. That is scary because if I look at my life, I'm man. I'm I am so wretched. Uh, I want sometimes I wonder why God even loves me. Like and yeah. and. I, we have this saying around our house. Uh, whenever we think about our own, our own whole, if we catch ourselves thinking about our own holiness, uh, me and Lizette both say, "Like I'm so wretched. Someone had to die to save me." Yeah. And so, for me to think that I am the standard of someone's righteousness, that's that's a position I could never put myself in. Yeah. But the legalist does. And then they, they, again, they may not say that outright. They may not say that the clothes that I wear is what you have to wear. Yeah. Or I mean, no, that's what that's what they would say. The clothes that you uh, that I wear are the ones that you have to wear to to be in my church to be yeah. holy. Um, the fat, the 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 color of my skin, or the lack of tattoos or piercings on my skin, is is the is the standard for what you need to look like in order for you to be a Christian yeah. or to be a good Christian. And that's the kinds of things they would say. Never, I'm the standard of holiness, but that is what they're saying. When I became a dad, I suddenly cared very deeply about the quality of things that I wore. So as a dad, I proudly wear Dad Gang apparel. Dad Gang makes the highest quality hats in the apparel industry. They use premium materials, pay close attention to detail, and prioritize durability and comfort. My son was born in October, and I have three nieces and nephews. So I got the tan logo hat for myself and the black trucker for my brother-in-law. Visit their website, dadgang.co, and shop their line of hats, hoodies, and beanies for yourself and all the dads in your life. Use the code RANDY30240 to get 15% off your entire order. Dad Gang, quality hats for quality dads. And that's that's kind of that's where we're going here because we're going to look at well how does it affect the church and I like what you say there because again they're not going to say that but let me let me ask this question just kind of an apl- application question for the people listening because I yeah. I want to ask myself this too because I think this all the time how many times have you looked at someone who comes to you they they're sinning or maybe they don't come to you maybe they call themselves a Christian but you know they're in some sin or that you know that they're not doing well in life but you're doing well in that area and you think if they just do what I do yeah. Mm. Man. Why can't they listen to me? Mm. I, I don't know how yeah. many times I've been discipling, I've been talking to someone, and they just, they're failing in an area that I might not even be doing great in, but I'm doing okay. And I'm thinking, why can't they just do it like I do? Yeah. Friends, that's legalism. Yeah. That is legalistic. Absolutely. You, now, you don't have to go like fully repent and say like, you're a leak, like, oh, I'm a fallen legalist, but we have those mindsets. And- you know, if you, if you want to get a better understanding of how legalism works, think about um, think about your computers and most of you, your phones. Have you ever gotten a virus on one? You didn't just download a virus, more than likely. You went to a website, you know, whether good or bad, you went to a website to buy something, one that had a funny meme on it. You downloaded a program someone told you to download that could do like a cool thing on your computer. And slowly 
or or sometimes very quickly, but usually very slowly, your computer starts to act up, starts to act weirder, starts to get slower. Maybe instead of going to Google, it always goes to Yahoo now for like all the search engine stuff. <laughs> it's a whole thing at work. I'm dealing with it. I don't know why it keeps doing that. And then eventually your computer just shuts down because the virus took over everything. It got to the heart of the program. It got to the heart of the CPU and it shut it down. It broke it. And that is what happens with us when we let these little these little parts of pride because that's where legalism gets its root is in our own pride. Because like you said Randy, the moment we say I'm the whole I'm the standard of holiness, not Christ, we begin to try to take Jesus off the pedestal, take Jesus off the throne and set ourselves up there and say, "Well, yeah, I know he died on the cross, but like I haven't, you know, I've been doing really well in my marriage this year. Mm-hmm. Man, I haven't lied on my taxes in like 20 years. I haven't done, I haven't touched a drug. I haven't touched porn in like five years. So look at me. Yeah. Why can't you do this like I do? Yeah. And then that infection begins to start spreading throughout the rest of the things, how we see other people, how we think about other people. And this isn't just for us. We see it with Cephas, Paul, or sorry, Peter yeah. in the New Testament, in Galatians. Mm-hmm. Funny story, and we're, we have like 10 minutes, but it's fine. Um, when I was first reading through the Bible, I didn't know that Paul and Peter were around the same time. <laughs> yeah. And I think I even posted on Facebook. I was like, how cool would it be? And I talked to my youth pastor about this, and I think he was just very kind and didn't correct me. He was like, how cool would it be if like Peter and Paul and James were in the same room? Like, <laughs> man, that, why didn't God let that happen? <laughs> well, he did. And, and a few times. And, and one of those instances... Paul rebukes Peter, rebukes him as Cephas. Mm-hmm. He, he says, hey, what are you doing? Because, see, Peter, who's been hanging out with Gentiles, who has agreed that Gentiles need, can hear the gospel, should hear the gospel, just as the Jews, agrees to send Paul out with them. You know, So they know each other. They know about each other. And, and Peter, waiting for some of his Jewish friends to come in, some of these Jewish uh, more elites come in, I guess you could say. Yeah. Is hanging out with Gentiles, and when they start coming in, he starts pushing away from the Gentiles. Yep. He doesn't want to eat with them anymore. Doesn't really want to talk with them mm-hmm. anymore. He doesn't really want to want to have much to do with them. And Paul walks in and not only sees Peter engaged in this, but he sees Barnabas, his mission friend, Oof. his partner in all these trips he's been going on, engaged in the same sin of mm-hmm. legalism. And Paul's having none of it. Yep. Paul is furious. Why? Because this sin, if it infects one of us, it can infect all of us. And so Paul stands before Peter and he looks at him and says, what are you doing? So, so here's what here, Paul comes to, to Cephas and he says, when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, man, like just the fact is like, like, like I, I literally got in this man's face. <laughs> I stood before this man because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. Yep. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, 
yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ, not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. And so, and he goes on. Yeah. Paul literally rebukes Peter, who stood side by side with Jesus, who denied him, who repented of his denial of Christ, and then was one of the biggest, I mean, preached the first real sermon about Christ that we know of. And yet he gets caught up in the sin. So pastors, elders, deacons, congregation members, none of us are free. None of us are safe from the pride that can lead to legalism. And that, if that infects the church, that church can easily go down a very, very dark path yeah. where it shuts its doors to everybody who doesn't think the same way it does. Not that they're not in line with Scripture, but because they're not in line with what this church is saying it believes outside of Scripture. Man, that's good. So, you know, Randy, we, we talked a little bit about this, you know, what it is, where, why it's a lie, how it starts in us, right? It starts with pride in us that, that starts to bubble out and starts to spread into other areas of our mind and our life and how it infects the church and how dangerous that can be. Mm-hmm. But what really the question is, what's the solution? Uh, there's a book uh, that I love and I've, I've referenced it a couple of times. Uh, that's it's just because I love it that much. Um, and if, if you've read through this book, you know why. Uh, but it's the Disciplines of Grace uh, mm-hmm. by Jerry Bridges, um, and for every chapter of of this book that Jerry writes, where he talks about a certain kind of discipline of the Christian life, um, half of the chapter is written for the dis- for this specific discipline. The other half is just about reminding yourself of the gospel. Yeah, and that's that's the first thing that I would say uh, is is the cure for not just legalism but all the false gospels of Appalachia is going back to the gospel. And understanding understanding the concept of grace thoroughly, um, and thinking about your salvation, which you know, looking at looking at salvation, uh, in in yeah, looking at salvation, it's it's God's compassion and favor favor towards us who we once we realize our own in, inability to meet God's standard and to humbly trust in Jesus Christ. It's not anything that we did, and it's not anything that we are doing based on our own righteousness. I forgot where I heard it recently. Uh, it, it was a quote, um, but uh, Jesus didn't. Uh, I, I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna butcher this quote too. But I, th- I think it. I think it lines up with exactly what we're talking about as far as combating this heresy. Yeah. Uh, Jesus went to the cross. Um, he didn't have any sin. Um, he didn't have any sin in, in and of himself. The sin that he died with was my sin. Yeah. And I don't have any righteousness of myself. The righteousness that I have is only in Jesus Christ. It's only his righteousness that he imparts or imputes to me. Um, and so reminding yourself of that is is the very first step that you have to do to combat to combat all this false, all this false right. gospel. Um Going back to going to uh, another guy that uh, I'm really fond of, uh, Dr. Walter Martin. Um, he was the one that first coined the uh, the illustration of of the FBI um, trying to catch counterfeiters. If you're if you're a pastor, you're probably familiar with this probably illustration. illustration. You probably <laughs> used it a lot um, because I mean it's so good and it's so true. Um, yeah. And the illustration goes: uh, 
FBI agents, CIA agents, um, all of these people uh, that are trained to catch people making counterfeit money. Yeah. Um, they don't give them they don't give them counterfeit bills to look at, to study, to see um, what's wrong uh, or whatever. They give them real dollars. They give them real approved currency, uh, and they study that. And once they know what the real thing is, they're able to see and spot fakes a mile away. And the same thing is true here. Once you know and fully grasp, which I don't know if you can really fully grasp the beauty of the gospel, we spent our whole lives dedicated to it. Yeah. But if you could just uh, just understand the goodness of what the gospel is, your inability uh, to, to meet with God on your own because of your sin and the grace that Jesus gives you, uh, the grace that he... That, he gives us by coming down to this earth, by living a perfect life, uh, dying with our sin, and then giving us his righteousness when we had none of our own. When you really sit in that, it drives away any kind of um, any kind of idea that you have it all figured out, that you have everything going for you, that you have this good thing going, or you've got this thing mastered. Uh, once you experience that humility, humility, or you're humbled in that way, uh, that yeah, that's that's the very first thing that you have to do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're right, Randy. Like, it all comes down to, and I think Eric, I know Eric points this out in his article. It comes down to grace, like mm-hmm. under, like having a deep understanding of what grace is, right? Uh, understanding that I don't have it all figured out. That yeah, this thing might be working for me right now, and that by thank, like at that point, just praise God that it is. Yeah, right. That if you are, if you haven't looked at porn in, in ten years. By God's grace, praise God. If you are doing really well financially to where you are able to give abundantly, praise God for that because it's by his grace, not by your tactics, not by your underhanded methods, but even if like you are just making it, doing okay, that's still by God's grace, praise his name because you could be in the worst circumstances ever. We, We have seen many people in the Christian faith, many of these famous pastors, many of these local pastors, not necessarily just in our town, but we've heard about um, some of these celebrity pastors who just fall so far yeah, because they got on their, they got away from grace. They got toward their own, um, toward their own belief in what they think the gospel is yeah. and what they believe was worth it. And they, they lost everything. Yeah. And I know, I, I think, if you're if you're really honest with yourself, not you, Colton, but the people listening to this, well, like me if, too. <laughs> if if you're really honest with yourself, you know that you're not the standard. Yeah. You know that you've not met God's standard. Um, it, it makes no sense. It makes no sense that you yeah. have met God's standard perfectly. Me who can't keep on a diet exactly. is the standard. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I've already. Uh, Watched my uh, yeah. my my New Year's resolutions. That's that, honestly a great illustration. That's it's such like, a great illustration. Year, like if you've made a resolution and already failed this year, uh huh, you can't be the standard. No, yeah. How's that Bible <laughs> year reading plan going? Right. Are you at Leviticus yet? Have you made it? Have, like you know, like I I do the Bible reading plan a year, and it's taken me like four years. And you know, <laughs> I've read through the Bible, but like I'm just but on, taking but it slow, right? No, yeah. But honestly, like, can you can you? legitimately sit there and tell me that you have met God's standard can for, you, yeah. for perfect righteousness. Can you write out what you do, who you are, and say this is what everybody should attain to? Exactly. Because if you start to write out those things. Oof. And, and if you think that you can, because I, I legitimately have met people that have told me, yes, yes. that they have. Yeah. Um, the, the first place that I would go to is the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, this is, this is God's bare minimum for a holiness that somewhat resembles him. 
Um, and nobody, nobody makes yeah. it past that. But if you skip on down to uh, Matthew, Matthew five, Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount. Thanks, Matthew. Yes, yeah, um, Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus goes through the the Ten Commandments and and redefines them all. Um, oh, because there were people in his day like, oh yeah, I've kept all the, uh, the commandments. The rich young ruler, yeah. I've I've kept all these commandments since I was a child. Like they're either easy. I've never killed anybody, and I've never uh, never committed adultery. Okay, that's fine. That's fair. But have you ever looked at your brother with hate? Well, then you're guilty of committing murder in God's yeah. eyes. Like that's the standard that we have. Um, and I love, I, I love the the ending of the Sermon on the Mount. The ending of, the ending of the Sermon on the Mount is is like just uh, like it's it's very unsatisfying. It's very unsatisfying because it's meant it's meant to point you to what actually is the point of the Sermon on the Mount, yeah. which is you can't do any of the things that Jesus says you're supposed to do. Um, You can't not uh, ever or keep yourself from lust perfectly. You can't ever keep yourself from anger perfectly. He ends the sermon Sermon on the Mount with be you be perfect like your father in heaven. I can't do that. And that's the point of the whole sermon. I know Jesus knows that you can't do that to pretend that you can is ridiculous the point of the Sermon on the Mount is to point us to Jesus and say, I'm the one who did this for you. Trust in me with humility, and that's where your salvation lies. That's right. So, yeah, so that's the big thing is, is like, find grace, look to Christ. And I have a couple more things written out here, just, just things to think about. And one of those, first of all, like we've already touched on, is make Christ your goal. Make Christ the goal. Philippians 3, 7 through 9. Paul talks about it. It's like, I, I give everything up for the surpassing knowledge of knowing Christ. Like, that's worth everything. Mm-hmm. Like, that surpasses all things. Knowledge of knowing Christ. Like, and you know what? It, because none of my works matter anymore. Nothing I do matters anymore. But also, we need to remember that everybody's different. That, that uh, it, it's a cliche, but as you probably heard it said, especially here in the mountains, you know, it's a relationship. It's not a religion. It's a relationship with Christ. And that's true in the sense that you can't checklist off your Christian walk. You can't just say, I read my Bible, I went to church, I did this, I did this, I'm, I'm good. You need to do this to be good. Because it comes down to, do you actually believe that Christ died for you? That he actually loves you? That he actually raised from the dead because he wants you with him? That's what things the legalist can't do. Because it goes against the checklist mentality that we've created in our minds. And also, number three, we can't make others into our own image. We're not called to do that. It's not something that Christ has called us to do. He says, make disciples of all nations, teaching them all the things I've taught you. In the intermission between seasons, I did an interview with Jamie Miller, the short-term missions coordinator director. And we talked about a little bit of, of the fact that like Jesus wasn't just a white guy who lived in southern Georgia. He literally lived a like in an area around Egypt, in Israel. Um, and I went to Egypt recently. And listen, man, they're not white out there. Mm-hmm. They're, they're darker skinned than we are. They live differently. They worship differently than us. Not unbiblically, but they don't you know worship with a southern accent. Right. They, they don't understand everything I'm saying to them, but they still worship the same God. I can't make them in my image. But I can help them. I can make disciples of all nations of the same God through what he's given us through his word. 
And just one final thing, if you're out there listening and you're thinking, okay, so you're telling me that like, I should just let people do whatever they want, that I can never like call out a brother for a sin. Absolutely not. You're not a legalist if you see sin and you lovingly call it out. You're a legalist if you see something you don't like that you know is not a sin or you can't, you look at it and it, you can't see a sin in the Bible, but you still try to call it that anyway. Yeah. You, you can't call sin what's not sin. But we are called to love, to make disciples, and to go out and be grace-filled and, and just teach about the, the Lord and Savior that we know so well. That's good. And the legalists can't do that. No, they can't. <laughs> so what about you? Do you have any experience with legalism? We would love to hear your thoughts. Visit our website at outofthechurchaddict.com where you can sign up for updates, get swag, or email us your rants and raves. Join the conversation in social media at The Church Attic and let us know what you'd like to hear come out of The Church Attic next. Today's topic was researched by Colton Burse, uh, written and hosted by Colton Burse and Randy Ramsey. New episodes are released re- weekly. And until next time, remember, roll tide roll. No, no. <laughs> you vote for, like, Alabama. The, you suck. Ha, <laughs> ha,